Hey everyone, this is Jenny. This is Hillary. Welcome to our next Tart Talk. <laughs> it's Zeropa time. Zeropa with garden tarts. It has been a while since we have done an album ep, and I have to admit, setting up today, I got a little nervous. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was nervous, and now I'm, like, all in. I'm oh, yeah. rested and energized, and I'm ready to go. Me too. I have been so excited all day to do this tonight because I feel like this is the first album we've done, the first Tark Talk that feels low pressure. Definitely. Because of the nature of the content. Well, I mean, I obviously think that for them, this album was also low pressure. So <laughs> exactly. It, <laughs> it works. Without getting into the content yet, I will just say that Paul McGinnis says it's one of his favorites because it's just so loose. I understand that now. I mean, and again, before we get into it, but I, I would like to just have this blanket statement that, as you well know from the day I first heard Zuropa, I did not like it. I just, I have never been able to get into it. I mean, I can't even tell you the number of times I've listened to it all the way through voluntarily. Right. But doing, preparing for this app has just brought me such clarity. And I feel like I just, I understand it. And maybe it's, you know, being much older now, or right. I don't know. Or, you know, or comparing it to albums since then. I don't know, but I really like it. It definitely moved up on my list a few notches, and it a lot of it surprised me. That said, I still have some duds on it, but right, not as many as I expected. No, I was really, I was like going into it. I'm like, what? Like, how much could we really have to say about these songs? Right. <laughs> so and many. There's some, there's some that I really don't have much to say, yeah. but. Again, like it's such a more like a cohesive unit than I ever thought of before. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely like it more now and appreciate it more now. I never, I actually, I never disliked it. It just, I wouldn't pick it out. If I picked it out, I would pick a few songs. It's because I wanted to hear a few songs, not the album. I feel like the whole of this album is greater than the sum of its parts. Yes. You know, just taking it song by song, which is what I've always done, just is not, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And that said, there's a lot that's kind of disjointed, but if you just put it all, mush it all together, it's... Right. Oh, right. Well, it's pretty I general just, for the U2-ness. It anyway. is. But I really enjoyed this. And I, I've never, I mean, I remember getting the album on July 5th, 1993. <laughs> at the record exchange in Hampton that's now a Starbucks. Um, <laughs> and I remember talking to you right away. Like, I don't, this is, I don't like it. <laughs> like, it's just not doing anything for me. And I don't think I've ever, I don't think you've ever heard me say I like the album, ever. Not that I can remember. No. no, I haven't said it because it's never been true. Let's do business and then we're going to go, yes. we'll talk about stats in a second, but for sure, we have adopted a new tradition, thanks mm -hmm. to the wise words of hashtag Bruce, 
Yes. Parentheses Springsteen. <laughs> he says that after he finishes a song, he they all do a shot. Yes. When we finish discussing a song, we're going to do a shot. So 10 shots. Yep. So can't make any promises once we get to the end. They could just be about nothing. Right. But they're not really strong shots and they're not large shots. So we don't have a problem. But, In fact, yeah, but I almost it, never drink anymore unless we're doing a podcast. I was going to say our tolerance is probably lower than it has been ever. Ever. <laughs> and so we started this. We turned Oxen Baby into a game because there are so many babies that we decided that every song that had a baby in it, we would do a shot. And then we heard this quote from Bruce and we're like, well, there we go. No more excuses needed. And we need to discuss what we're drinking tonight. Right. Put together by our official Garden Tart bartender. Our bartender in residence. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Kip <laughs> Mullen. Junior. Kip <laughs> came up, our bartender and beloved friend, Kip came up with a recipe for us, and it was actually quite divine, I yeah, think. it is. He named it Far Away So Close. Theme. Yeah, it's on theme, and it's also very pandemic. It is. Because isn't that so what a pandemic is about? Yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone, because of Zoom and stuff, people are actually closer, but further away. But physically further away, yeah. And right now, everyone just needs to stay that way. Yes. Bono predicting the future again. Yep. Just keep doing it. So it's without getting into the quantities and everything, it is a combination of gin, honey, lemon, very important, ginger ale, and scotch. Yes. It's everything, right? I mixed the scotch in with the original drink. Me too. We were supposed to float it on top, but I didn't do that. There's too much business going on here to worry about floating. Yeah. It's right in there. Yeah. Well, should we do a starter shot just to get our brains going? Sure. That's going to get our brains going. (laughs) Okay. I have my brand new garden tart shot glass that you were all supposed to have. But thanks to the USPS, it is in transit, maybe. I have my... I can't wait to get mine. I have my uh, shot glass that has a marijuana leaf on it, and it says, Hi, from St. Martin. Oh, it's the same one you used for Octum Baby. It is. I think think maybe my brother gave it to me, because I don't think I know anyone else that's been to St. Martin. Mm -hmm. Well, cheers. Let's get this party started. Cheers. Slancha. That is really good. Like, really good. And I'm not a gin person. I was skeptical. I was too. I hate gin. But I figured it was a new year. But the ginger ale and the honey. Oh, my gosh. Whew. Well, let's get into Zeropa. Okay. Um, Should we start with stats? I have stats. Yeah, go with stats. And I got a little story time. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so again, released July 5th, 1993. It was recorded in Dublin at Windmill Lane, the factory, and one other place, which I did not write down. Okay. Um, so it was recorded between February and May 
1993. That's fast. Yes. While on tour for most of that. Yeah. I. It was like 12 weeks or something. And they, so the, the last Zoo TV show was November 25th, 1992, Mexico City. And the Zoopa tour began May 9th, 1993. Um, mm-hmm. the, ori- the original intent of Zoopa was supposed to be an EP to promote the tour, Zoopa. Oh, that's my little story time. You want to hear it? Yeah, tell your story time. Edge said, hey, let's make an EP. And Bono said, hey, let's make it a full album. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story time. Thank you. We can all go to sleep now. Yeah, that's really that's a great bedtime story. I think part of the motivation behind it was that Brian Eno says domesticity is the enemy of rock and roll. Right. It, you know, it was a weird time. They had six months off between legs of the tour and Edge didn't really have a home to go back to and Bono was having a problem balancing taking off the plastic pants exactly I think it's the phrase you're looking for yes and I don't have babies but I assume that babies and plastic pants really don't mesh well no no so they both had some inner issues that gave them a whole lot more motivation to keep in that music yeah. in the the work mode. Um, so it was produced by Flood, Brian Eno, and wait for it, Da-da-da-da-da! the Edge. Woohoo! Hey, he got a producing credit Good for the Edge. Yeah, first time ever for him, which is pretty yeah. exciting. I don't know if he has since. We'll have to keep an eye on that as we go through albums. I'm not, I don't have, I'm not educated in that yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they said that, you know, a few things like, let's give them the one-two punch. You know, we've got people's attention. We've got this energy. We've got this creativity. We've got this short amount of time. Like, let's, it was an experiment to see if they could get this done with the tour energy going on in the bands. It really is quite an amazing product that they came up with. So it wasn't finished before Zuropa. Yeah, so the, I just, I find it so fascinating that the, the tour started, they weren't finished, but it was, all their shows were like mainland Europe. So they would finish a show, get off stage, go directly to the airport. Right. Fly home to Dublin, go in the studio until, I don't know, noon or something, go back to sleep, wake up, and then go back to wherever they were going. Yeah, they. one of them, I think it might have been Larry, or one of them said that all the places in Europe were just like a one or two hour time change, so they would actually get back in Dublin like at the same Before, time they left right, <laughs> or whatever. Right. So yeah, they go and then they usually I mean, had an extra day off. So they would sleep and then come back for another day. And they did that for like a month. It And it's crazy because they all said, you know, that schedule is just madness and how stupid are they to do that? But they all sounded like they really enjoyed it. I know. I have a few little quotes. Edge said that it was, they went through to remarkable lengths to get it done. And Larry said it was mad, but good mad. So uh, the singles were Numb, Lemon, and Stay. Mm-hmm. 
the album reached number one on all the major charts. I'm not even going to go down the list because it's... Yeah. I think Spain, it hit number two. But everywhere else oh you can imagine, it was yeah. number one. A main theme of the album is a united Europe. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can see that by the European Union flag mm-hmm. and all that. But it just, it sounds like fun. I did find this, and this is just an early aside, but I've been looking for this quote for a really long time because I really have loved it and I wasn't sure where it came from, but I was looking at the, I think the Rolling Stone articles, the book that's from Rolling Stone, and Edge said he was asked what he wanted to do next, and Edge said he wanted to do something different, but he still wanted to play guitar. But he didn't want to play by himself, so he needed to put together a band, and he'd been having fun hanging out with these three friends. So <laughs> there you go. I have u- used that quote several <laughs> times over the years, and I never knew where it came from. So that was just kind there of there you go. I even looked at it Rolling Stones up. I didn't see that. Yeah. I'd also like to add that it won a Grammy for Best Alternative Album, and that's when Bono invented the delay. <laughs> <laughs> when the delay became, because he said, we shall continue to abuse our position and fuck up the mainstream on live television. <laughs> but then he... They, I don't think that's when they, I don't think they listened or they, that's when it was, because he still went to the Golden Globes and said, and he did this it again. is fucking brilliant. And so then when they added the delay to live Yeah, but I also think that was just regular, was it the Grammys he said? Was it the VM? It was the Grammys he said that. This is the fuck up the mainstream. Yeah. So he, so they didn't really pay enough attention because gotcha. he did it again. Um, anyway, but whatever that's just how he talks we all talk like that sometimes yeah. my fucking right <laughs> fuck the revolution <laughs> <laughs> wrong album okay that's just from our last step if you're listening out of order so yeah. i have a few little quotes from the band if you want to hear them I do. Larry said that Zuropa is the sound of YouTube becoming comfortable with a new recording environment. After the attrition of Octon Baby, it was clear that this technology stuff was okay. It's not the devil. It's not the enemy. We can work with it. Which is interesting because remember with Octon Baby, Larry showed up and they were using drum machines. So I'm glad that he learned that he could live in that world. Adam said that it's an odd recording and a favorite of mine. It was kind of quirky and it didn't have a big U2 anthem on it. It is very much a record that grew out of the studio session. Cool. Bono says that it was our attempt at creating a world rather than just songs and it's a beautiful world. And I like thinking of it of that. More of like a cityscape than like singles and songs. Mm-hmm. It makes so much more sense that way. The opening was our new manifesto. I have no compass. I have no map. And I have no reason, no reason to go back. And then there's a whole bunch more there. But I feel like that kind of puts everything into context. There's one more thing I want to add. And actually two things. One is that... I guess they had some stuff left over from Octon Baby that were like rock songs that they thought they were going to include. And we'll get into more of this later, I think in a different app. But when they realized they didn't need to include those, that it was a relief that it 
wasn't a rock album. Bono says the world is sick of macho and sick of grunge. We need to get a female perspective in there. I didn't think about it having a female perspective. But also, and last item of business here, was that this was the last album in their current record contract. And they dropped it on Island Records desk two years early, which means it became a major bargaining tool right. for their next contract. Not that they were going anywhere, but all of a sudden the biggest, most successful yeah, the biggest, the most successful, the most profitable band for a record label in the world was a free agent after Zeropa came out. So Potentially really, a free agent. That's really interesting. So it became a major bargaining chip for McGinnis when he went back to Island. And it only took them four years to finish the next album. <laughs> yeah. So, well, but I guess they, they, they bought that time. They did Passengers. Well, right. Too. But I mean, Passengers probably wasn't a that was probably an ad an additive not like a oh but i just mean that was just that was work they were doing right that would keep them from the work of a different album yeah i didn't mean it was like part of no no yeah 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 so should we dive in yeah let's go okay first song is the title track and it is zeropa what do you want what do you want what do you want i love this song and you know what my favorite song in this album is, and it's arguably my favorite U2 song of all time. Not Zeropa, but this might be my other, my second favorite on this album, and it might possibly be in my top 10. Really? Yeah. And I forget about it, and then when I hear it, it's like, there's just something about it. So Zeropa opens, oh my god, there's opening pianos, but it's almost two whole minutes before the song really comes in, which is a pretty interesting way to start an album. It definitely is. And it's supposed to be setting the scene in a European city of the future. It's freer and brighter and bigger and glitzier than any other dark European city. (laughs) See, I don't get that. That's not my... I see it as like, it sounds almost like post-apocalyptic. Like Bono says, a comparison to Blade Runner. I yeah, think it, I get like the Blade Runner feel, like the, yeah. I'm sorry, like the ambience of the song. As it gets, the song picks up, that's the vibe I get, like the bright brightness of it. And, and I don't know where I read it or who said it, but it's described as a cool and wonderful yet mysterious place. But the stuff like, what's well, all the ad slogans. Because apparently Bono had, was tired of reading books, so he'd been reading magazines and collecting <laughs> ad slogans. So maybe what we're hearing is the contrast between it being post-apocalypto and Summer of Love, where the line is, like flowers growing in a bomb crater from nothing, a rose it grows. Yeah. So it's the contrast between a rose growing out of Very shit. Like- very likely. And of course, you know, Bono will always say that it's the songs that have multiple emotions and multiple meanings that mean the most. I did just find this quote Bono said. This was in Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone named it the number 16 in the top 50 U2 songs at some point. Wow. Yeah. I don't know who there made that list. I'm sure it was a collective effort. But Bono said the opening was the audio equivalent of the Blade Runner's visuals. If you closed your eyes, you could see the neon, the giant LED screens advertising. 
It was a time when everyone was all indie and gray and dull. It's amazing to be walking around these modern cities like Houston or Tokyo and embracing it. I see very Tokyo. Yeah. So the first line, Vorsprung Dirch Technique, yeah. is actually the Audi slogan, or was yeah. at the time, progress through technology. Oh, there you go. I did not know that. There you go. That sounds familiar now that uh, you say that. Yeah. But so many of the lyrics, like the whole, I have no religion and I don't know what's what, I don't know the limit, the limit of what we got. To me, that's like the world is your oyster. All the possibilities are there. Hmm. And the don't worry, baby, it'll be all right. You got the right shoes to get you through the night. Just go, 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 go. See what we can create. So that's where I go. Yeah. I mean, as you know, most U2 songs are, there's you know, hundred meanings to the songs. I really love the end, um, which is a nod to Acrobat. She's mm-hmm. going to dream up the world she wants to live in. She's going to dream out loud. So it's been played 71 times and I've heard it four times. I've written that it's played, played 77. Is it 71? It's 71. Oh, that 77 snip. includes snippets. Yeah. I don't count snippets. Oh, I see here that I put full and snippets. Okay. Yes, I've heard it once. 2009, Chicago on 360, which was cool. Yes. As that screen came down and like broke apart, it was very space age. It was very. That was that song was like perfect for. Yeah. Fun um, fact: Larry plays bass on the intro. That I didn't know. That is a fun fact. It is new to me as of this research. I think what happened was that he came up with it, so he got to play it. Man, I, everybody I was wearing all correctly. kinds of crazy different hats oh. during Zeropa. So that's all I have on track. Zeropa. I'll tell you, it really got me thinking about putting together a top 10 list when I thought of this. Not in order. Not like what's number one, what's number two. Right. But, and without looking at any tracks. I'd have to do it off my head. So we'll see. Well, if we finish the song, it means we need another shot. We do need another shot. I was. I gotta shake mine up. Me too. Shake, 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 shake. Get that carbonation going. Ooh. <laughs> it sprayed me. <laughs> it sounded like we just opened champagne. I know. Here's to Zeropa, the song. To Zeropa, the track. May uncertainty be your guiding light. What do you want? What do you want? Mm, thank you, Kip. Dang, that is good. And I don't like Why G. Why did he give us some fancy shit? And this is why. He's a good guy, that Kip. I know. Okay, we're on the track two. We are on the track two. I actually have a lot more to say about this. Song really? I, well, I have a lot less, so. You go first. Okay, well, track two is Babyface. It has been played five times, all in the UK in 1993. I have heard it zero times. That's the same number of times I've heard it. And one of my favorite ways to describe this, and I'm glad I read this from Niall Stokes because I was trying to find the right words to say it, but he says it's delivered with the same tenderness of a love song, but it ain't. (laughs) No, it's not. So go ahead. What you got? Well, let me just say that listening to the whole album, I listened to it with really good headphones. Yeah. If you don't have a pair of really good headphones, like give up Starbucks for a month and get some. Because I heard things that I just never heard before. 
especially for some reason in Babyface. It's like I'd never heard. Really? Uh, yeah, it was really cool. I'm like, I'm glad. And I played it again in my car, and it didn't have the same. My car has the speakers are fine, but you have outside noise and everything. Right. With the speaker, and you're distracted. Like, you're like yeah. multitasking. And I was very distracted. I probably shouldn't have been driving because I was all foggy headed, but I did okay. Okay, so I'm pretty proud about this one. You know okay. how we talk about Bono and Edge doing love song duets yes I, it's like you know who really should do one Bono and Bono <laughs> <laughs> I mean really like he should just sing with himself like I, it worked really well for Babyface I mean he kind of does <laughs> often he does but this is just I mean this it has such this isn't just like backing vocals like the main vocals go in and out of yeah. what layer of Bono they are. And I just really, I, I maybe that's one of the things with the headphones that I'd never actually listened to that before. But he really should just do a duet with himself. That would, okay, so one of the... This song has a lot more layers than I realized. Like, I, would, I don't have fancy headphones like you, but I have AirPods. Yeah. Well, those should be... Those are, are nice. good. Yeah, yeah. That's high class... Yeah, they that just don't is, have something like you've got those beats that like cover your whole ear, and I feel like it creates an even more hmm. acoustical environment. But anyway. Yeah, the headphones made a lot of difference uh, yeah. for me. So one of the themes of it, it, Bono says, like the media turns consumers into voyeurs, yeah. where it's like all you you know you can just stare at other people. You know, whether it's, you can stare at him. <laughs> right. He says being who he is, he has a hard time doing that. Right. Which I thought was kind of funny because that would creep me out. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot. Anytime I have eye contact with him, it creeps me out. So <laughs> another theme that I totally get is porn. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's there's a very big, obviously porn theme to it with the slow motion and right home I mean, whether it it's like actual porn or people turning things into porn into i don't know like but sexual fantasy it's when, it's all that, that's all porn in your brain so i assume that if you're a dude and you travel that much and you're in hotel rooms that often you Life's gotta have calm. some porn <laughs> yeah right especially if you're married <laughs> Yeah. Faithful. You you gotta do... I mean, porn's gotta be an important part of... I hope it is. Yeah, right? Another theme is the supermodels that they started hanging out with, which Paul McGinnis has a quote about that, too, that, that I love that, that he said that the supermodels, when they started hanging out with the band, they weren't just, like, people tagging along. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to get around. Yeah. There was no one else that was, you know, needed to be in charge of them or a keeper of them or anything where I suspect that's not when they bring along people on a tour, you have to cater to them a little more. Even though I would think some supermodels would need catering to <laughs> apparently yeah. not on the same level. Right. But yeah, it's true when they started when all the 
supermodels started hanging out with them, it became, they're like, ooh, our image just like, right. <laughs> like really skyrocketed as like yeah. crazy rock stars. But really, they were just like, these ladies know what the fuck is going on. Right. They well, are it's, self-contained. I think it's, that's just traveling with people in general. Like, I mean, unless I'm going to, you know, visit you or something at your house, you know, I, I would never rely on someone else to make my travel plans. It's always just like right. meet at the hotel kind of thing. Right. Or my flight gets in close to yours, so I'll just, you know, get a drink and wait. You know, like, right. I feel like that's, I feel like that's something he's talking about too, that you don't have to hold their hands to. Yeah. So I'm going to throw a wrench in all of this. Okay. A friend of ours, years and years and years ago, told me her theory about this song, and I can't get it out of my head. She says it's Bono singing about watching himself on TV. I, I'm not against that. Yeah. I, so I just kind of, I don't know, I didn't, I don't think I paid much attention to that, but it's been in the back of my head, and I hear that. I mean, yeah. they, again, it's so many layers, but catching your bright blue eyes in the freeze frame. <laughs> I've seen him so many times. You know, like, I, I get that. I don't think, I think that's very plausible. Absolutely. Or I've had thoughts that it's about him being watched from the viewers, the watcher's perspective. Like, not necessarily him watching himself, but him being the right. object of the pornography. I like the idea of him singing about himself. Yeah. But... I like all the ideas. I mean, it could be, it's all of that. Well, there's also one other thing, and this is a theme that we've talked about before and his, is there's still that Gulf War aspect to it of, even better you know, than how like, yeah, seeing things on the TV that are happening in real life, but they look like video games and stuff. Right. Side Which, note. Uh, oh, go ahead. I've always, I've been saying for 20 some years that I feel like reality TV is like the beginning of the end of the world. Because when people yeah. see that and think that's how people live and act, that's why we are, you know, a moral void like we have yeah. right now. Exactly. I totally agree. You happen saying that, and I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, side note. I, I know when I said it too, Jeremy was in the hospital. It was 1999. Yeah. And he was watching Survivor, and I'm like, this is it. That's it. Okay, so... Oh, is that baby face? Baby face. Here's to being your best friend. Aww. <laughs> oh, I miss you. I love you, Jen. I love, I love you. you too. I don't even feel like I'm your best friend. It just is. <laughs> okay, shoot it. You're my bestest friend. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling warm. Oh, if I'm stuck my sweatshirt, I have on my Zeropa shirt. Oh, awesome. Which will be helpful. We are on to what may be track three, which may be the most played song on U2X Radio. I believe that. I think closely followed by Discotech that I heard yesterday and today. I have not heard Discotech. Where did I I even go? Oh, no, I heard it Friday and then today. I haven't heard that much recently, but I keep hearing Mission Impossible. Oh, interesting. I don't need to hear Mission. I love you, Larry and Adam. I don't need to hear Mission Impossible again. I found that album really cheap on eBay. And oh, yeah? The single. It's an auction, so I'm sitting yeah. on it and see if anyone else bites. Okay. Because I don't think I want to pay more than, like, $8 for it. Yeah. So, Numb was the first single off the album. It has been played 33 times. 
all in 93 on this repertoire. Do you remember the first time you heard this song? Yeah. I think I heard like a debut on the radio. I knew. Like a midnight debut or something on the radio. I just knew it was going to be debuted this day on this radio station. And I worked all day at a tennis club. And in the pro shop where I worked, I had a boombox. And I put a tape in there and I just hit record. When I was in there, I turned off the record. But if I had to leave to go take help a customer, go clean a court, or do any of these things, I hit record so I wouldn't miss it. And then I'd come back and I'd turn it off and I would just listen. I'd wait for them to be like, you too debut. And I was recording and rewinding and playing and listening all day long. Oh my gosh. And then I finally heard it and I don't, I think I was in the pro shop. I think I heard it when it came on and I hit record and I was just like, huh, I didn't have an immediate pro or negative reaction because, well, so this was my first new album because Octum Baby was already out when I got into the band. Right. But I remember kind of being like, where is this band taking me? Right. <laughs> this is the Edges rap debut. Yes. It is left over from the Octum Baby sessions. The same backing track was originally a song called Down All the Days, sung by Bono, which I actually quite like. Yes, that's from recently on U2X Radio. Oh, really? I had I used to have a CD that had all those outtakes on it. Yeah, I it's paid a, a lot of money for that. Song, pretty much. Right. It has the backing track is a loop from a Nazi propaganda film. And there was a time when they thought Bono would read In Cold Blood over it. That didn't happen. Well, his poem In Cold Blood. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes. In Cold Blood is, is a very sacred thing to me. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Ridic- that, you, you need, while we're on our murder spree, yeah. <laughs> you need to read it. It's a short book. I So I have owned it and I have read it before and it has been forever and I don't remember it. We talked about this early COVID and I bought it and I, it came. I have no idea where it is, but I will read it. It's a short and easy read. But the thing that blows my mind is that it's written by Truman Capote. Yeah. And that's not his genre, you know? Anyway, yeah. I love it. And it probably is one of my top favorite yeah. books ever. This is also Larry's singing debut on an album. Yes. In the chorus. Yeah. So one of the things, it has this tribal sound to it. Mm-hmm. That I do kind of like that. But aside from that, it sounds like a novelty song. Yeah. You know, like it, it sounds, I don't know, like a throwaway. And I'm not saying that, that it is, but it's just like, we got to get people to walk, you know, to pay attention to this. Throw this one out there. Yeah. And I think it was a good move. It doesn't really have any substance. It's just fun. No, I mean, so thinking about the sensory overload that is Zoo TV, it made sense because it's a total sensory overload. Right. Like, oh, absolutely. And then also, I hadn't thought about it in this context. Having so many emotions that you feel numb was pertinent to Edge's personal life. So I was like, hmm, I guess there's more to it than I thought. But yeah, I think it was a hell of a gamble. Yeah, definitely. It's not a... I mean, I don't dislike it, but it's just... It's definitely a departure from yeah anything you two's ever done before. 
And I guess being on tour, still promoting Octum Baby and all the great press that was going on, they, th- this was an okay move. It wasn't like they had been gone for three, four, five years and all of a sudden this song shows up. Right. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, so, you know, Sting, hashtag Sting, talks about every breath you take. And he said he literally, he has like a rhyming dictionary or something. Yeah. And he literally went in the rhyming dictionary oh, and yeah. wrote the lyrics to every breath you take, which I get that. I mean, it's, you can hear that. Um, I mean, I, I think that song totally has, makes a, sense. Yeah. has a high value, but when he talks about how he, the, you know, lack of effort he put into writing it, I, I like it even more, I think. Right. Um, but I feel like that this is so well written in the sense that it's just not, you know, yeah, apparently the lyrics were written in like an hour or right. a day and like quickly. I mean, I, I think it would, you could write those pretty easily. Yeah. But it, it's like abstract art. Mm-hmm. And you add yeah. the, the video to it and then you go and the fat lady voice comes back, which I know is not your favorite, but I love the fat lady. No, I, I don't. I don't like the fat lady. And needless to say, I have a lot to talk about that later I know. in this album. But um, yeah, I have a question for you about it, actually. <laughs> okay. um, I love like Edge's monotone dry delivery because I just feel like he has like a dry sense of humor. Yeah. And that just works like deadpan. I like that. I appreciate that. I think that I, I don't know why, but the lyric that I really like is don't project, don't connect, protect, don't expect suggest. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know he repeats it, but there's a I have some connection, even though he says don't connect. I connect. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that stands out to me, too, but I guess it's because it's repeated. Yeah, I just like the now what I think I like is I like words that I like words and <laughs> when you have you know project and protect like that close to each other like mm-hmm. there's an album a future album YouTube album where there's a song that Bono has such a perfect path for yeah. that and he just passes it up that is the most brilliant thing I've ever said in my whole life I just have to say <laughs> If you really listen to that again, you'll know what song I'm talking about. I don't think I can think of it right now. No, you can't. I mean, it's but it's it's a pet project and protect. No, <laughs> he has a he has a perfect path for that. Oh, okay. The, for a lyric like that, but he gotcha. passes it up. Okay. You'll figure it out. I'm not we'll get there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about it right now. No, we'll get get there in a few albums. But that's just always been like nails on a chalkboard for me. I'm like, you had such a great opportunity. Like for me, that lyric would have I mean just set me off, but he 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 passes on it. Yeah. I like the juxtaposition of too much is not enough with I feel numb. <laughs> right. I did. I like that too. And I have a bit about that later. And I use the words juxtaposition. Oh, there you go. It's a great word. It's a great word. Word up. Okay. Also, got, got anything else? I have nothing else. I gotta shake up my drink again. I'm down to my Zeropa shirt. Okay. Here's to what? Not pissing in the drain. 
a grand idea. Yeah, let's not do that. Sounds good. Oh, it's a good thing tomorrow's a holiday. Yes. Well, every day is a a holiday for Hillary. Hey, it's Hillary. Our charity of the month for January, in honor of Martin Luther King Day, is the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Southern Poverty Law Center is a nonprofit legal advocacy organization based in Montgomery, Alabama. They specialize in civil rights and public interest litigation and are well known for their cases against white supremacy and other hate groups. In the month of January, a portion of the proceeds from the Garden Tarts merch store will be donated to the Southern Poverty Law Center. For more information, go to slpcenter.org and for our merch store go to thegardentarts.com happy january hey there friends fans and listeners jenny here if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a pretty big youtube fan and if you're a pretty big youtube fan you probably know about bono's work in africa through the organizations Red and One. Now more than ever, it is imperative we give them our support as they are not only fighting the AIDS pandemic, but also the COVID-19 pandemic. And you can help. Go to red.org and one.org to find out how you can be involved. Okay, we are on to number four, which is Lemon, which has the ever nefarious Brian Eno written all over it. It's seriously freaking in the chorus. Yeah. Okay, so Lemon has been played ten times, mm-hmm. and I've heard it zero times. Yes, it was played all on the Zeropatore yes. in '93. I have to say, I love. Lemon as a pop icon. Yeah. I firmly dislike this song. I have a hard time with it. I get into it and I really like it, but it is almost seven minutes long. It is. And sometimes too much is enough. (laughs) I agree with that. It's just such a hodgepodge of so many things that I can't even like waste my thought energy on. Well, which is interesting. Because that's exactly how it came together. Right. It was the last song they finished. I think it was really hard to do. And one of the reasons it was hard was because it was like all these different things from all different places and getting them together. If we just get down to kind of basics here, the story goes that it started with an old video reel of Bono's mom and dad that he had never seen before until recently before this song and i read a few different things and one of them said it was like at a wedding or something his mother was the maid of honor yeah and she was wearing a lemon yellow dress now recently and i wish i remember where i read this it was within the last year and it kind of blew my mind and i think it was a quote i want to say it was a quote from gavin but i have a quote from gavin saying it was this video Maybe it was Edge. Doesn't matter. But they said that the story about the song being about his mom in this lemon yellow dress 
it was a coincidence that he didn't see that video till after the song was written. So I always thought that too, because I feel like he would have talked about that a lot if yeah. that had gone down at the time. But I mean, we never, I mean, I never heard him mention that video until yeah. Songs of Innocence when with Iris. Right. And then they showed the video at during Iris. So I think it was Edge also that said in one of the books that we've been looking at, mm-hmm. said that the way it was given to Bono was that someone he knew was in the airport and there was a distant relative of his in the airport who said you got to give this video to Bono yeah I've heard different kind of versions of that yeah well Edge said it was like you know it was like a a reel that someone had put to video but they put music over it yeah awful and my dad has a video like that that it's his bar mitzvah and stuff that my uncle's bar mitzvah that someone put like horrible music over. I'm like, just mute it. I can't even listen to this crap. Right. But it's interesting to me that the dress is lemon color and not yellow because imagine if they call the song yellow, what would Coldplay do? <laughs> call that song well, lemon. And lemon became such a huge marketing thing right, for right. so long. And that's Our drink life. literally has lemon in it. Right. <laughs> that's, you know, the icon. I love the exactly. icon. I, I don't like the song. A funny thing is, so I work for an insurance company, and we have a lot of unique customers. All of the insurance policies, either their pay, the payment is due by 12.01 a.m. or cancels at 12.01 a.m., and people come in, you know, will get there in the morning to pay and their policy's already canceled. And they're like, well, it's not noon yet. Ugh. And I'm like, well, firstly, 12.01 a.m., that's midnight. Yeah. That's where the day begins. <laughs> I, say, I say that once a day at work. Uh, I say it, well, I probably say it once every day at work. Yeah. I, I use that all the time. Midnight is where the day begins. And, um, and then I have thought, why is that, that not something I say? <laughs> I say, I mean, at work, I easily say that every single day. And I've heard a few of my coworkers also say it. And I'm like, you have no idea. But then if they still argue it with me, I'm like, you know, on New Year's, how we count down. Five, yeah. four, three, two, one. Happy New Year. I'm like, that happens every night. <laughs> And then usually they're like, don't talk smart with me. And I'm like, well, pay your bills on time. Yeah, right. Or don't, you know, if you can't, I certainly understand that. But don't argue it with me. Just say right. I couldn't pay it. And yeah, I'll I've see what I can do to help you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so this parent, this also has that same, like, voyeurism, similar to Babyface. A little bit of that. It does. It's, it feels like there's, like, a narrator. Yeah. But it also feels like an instructional manual. <laughs> like it's more yeah. like stage blocking or something. Like it's, <laughs> it's I know. not any conventional sort of lyric. So in that top 50 U2 songs from um, Rolling Stone, and I wish, oh, I have it right here. Let me see when that came out. This came out in 2015. 
it's the ultimate guide to their music and legend. So it's all a bunch of articles from over the years and stuff. But they have it at number 43. So they said Lemon started out as a disco tune until Brian Eno got through with it. Added- <laughs> Your eyes, like. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled my eyes. You guys can't see it. I rolled my eyes. Because he has to just make everything ambient. The track was a showcase for Bono's falsetto, and Flood credited Eno for coming up with a chilly Talking Heads-esque background vocal, making it a very bizarre folk song. You may ask yourself, (laughs) why does this song kind of suck? There you go. (laughs) I love Bono's falsetto, so I love those verses, but as soon as you get in the chorus, I hear Ed's when I hear Eno, and I'm like, no. Yeah, I I don't want to hear Eno. No. I just, it just makes me... Not my style. Because I even, like, I double-checked that. I looked that up, the credits to the backing vocals in that song. Like, it's gotta be fucking Eno. And his Edge, Edge, you can do that all day long. But I mean, that's not something Larry or Adam can sing. Brian Eno doesn't have that great of a voice. Why bring him in? Yeah. I mean, why bring him in? I don't know. I mean, pull some guy off the street or something. I just, I don't like him. He's a a nefarious Bengali Rasputin. Can I tell you how many times I hear the word nefarious in the news nowadays? (laughs) Oh, God, that's really awful, actually. Over the Various. Tenth grade. And I, it was a word that I only knew it from you before. <laughs> it was not a word I was familiar with. Yeah, I mean, seriously, tenth grade was a really important year in my. I learned how to write in tenth grade. I learned all kinds of exciting vocab words. Juggernaut. Like Eno's kind of a juggernaut of sorts. He's an inescapable force. <laughs> Miss Ballard, who I assume is dead now, may she rest in peace. Or I'm sorry if she's not, but she's got to be 150 years old. But she was she was the best teacher I think I've ever had ever. It's amazing. Great English. A lot of shout outs here, that's for sure. Do you have anything else for Lemon? No, I have nothing else. Neither. That means we get to drink again. Okay, what's the lyric? To what? Here's to midnight. It's where the day begins. It's midnight. Oh, that had a lemon seed in it. If you're keeping track, that's our fifth shot of the night. I'm still hanging tough. Me too. I'm a little hanging hungry, tough. Yeah, that's the second time I've used that saying today. <laughs> I was oh, going to say holding firm, and it was a post that I had on Facebook earlier, but then I'm like, it's so much better to say hanging tough than to say holding firm. Always. Always. And it was a really serious post, so I certainly hope people got the humor in that. Because I'm I'm complex like that. You're I'm, very complex. I'm juxtaposed between being serious and not taking anything seriously. Yeah, you're right at the intersection. I am. So we're on to song five, the last track on side A of the Zeropa LP. Which last but not least. It is arguably maybe not arguably, the most popular song on this album. Yes, and if you don't think it's the best song on this album, then you need to just stop listening to us right now because you're wrong. You're wrong. It is a gem in a pile of insanity. (laughs) This is my my favorite song 
It is now rivaled by a more recent song, which is, continues to blow my mind on a regular basis. But it is my favorite song in the YouTube catalog. It's my third favorite song. Yeah. The, I know you know and, my first favorite song. My second favorite song, I, I've mentioned it before, but it's not, I think, something that you'd expect. It's not what I expect. Your first is All I Want Is You. So your second, we've already covered it. Mm-hmm. The Fly. No, actually. It's not The Fly. No. Okay. The Fly is my favorite song off of Octon Baby. Octon Baby. Yeah. So it's weird because I feel like this is a total Hillary cop-out, but It's With or Without You is my second favorite U2 song. Oh, okay. Just keep it simple. But it goes with All I Want Is You. It absolutely does. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. Today has a little bit of a story. It was a song that existed before from Octa Baby in some form. And Vim Vendors of Until the End of the of the World and Wings of Desire Wings of Desire came to the band and said that he had a new movie called Far Away So Close and he was hoping they would write a song for it. And they had this and apparently they gave him like a few different versions of it. But if you have never seen Far Away So Close, it's very the American Hollywood version of it is City of Angels. Right. Which is Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage, which is, if you've seen Far Away So Close, it is cop out. <laughs> right. I mean, City of Angels is dismal. Dis- and it's very... It's an abomination. Dis- it's very consumer Hollywood meant for consumers. Yeah, it's awful. But have you seen Far Away So Close or Wings of Desire? I've seen Wings of Desire. I've never yeah. seen Far Away So Close, but I understand the concept. But yeah, so that's part one. It, they're sequels. So if you've seen one, you understand the concept of the other. Right. And the lyrics really are meant for the movie. Right. And it's about the main characters in the movie are angels who are overseeing mortal humans. And one of them wants to become human. And in order to do that, you give up your... You have to become mortal. And you receive... An iron... Well, what happens is you lose your armor. Your armor comes off. That's how I see it, is that the angels have this built-in armor that protects them, and it falls off. And That's how I interpret that. So, for some reason, I see it as when the angel, like, hits the ground, the iron comes with it. The armor comes with it. Yeah, because they do get to carry it. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I, see, I saw it as falling off. For I mean, some, they got to keep it. And but, you might be you might be right, but yeah. for some, I feel like as a trade-in for losing your immortality. You know, yeah. Everything that goes along with being an angel in trade, you get armor. Right. So it's just it's just fascinating. And yeah. also, you know, the angels have ponytails and they're rules. Yes, there are rules, and I know we're getting way ahead in the song. We've got so much more to talk about, but yeah. if you, this is a beautiful video. YouTube does this absolutely beautiful video that is like it's the same concept as the movie, and right. the band are all angels singing to these mere mortals. But at the very, very end, when the song goes just a bang and a clatter, as in 
the angel hits the ground, Bono literally Trump falls out of the sky. So a friend with of ours armor in hand. It's like the top of like a old soldier where they when they were right chain link armor. <laughs> right, right. It's like, it's like a breastplate kind of armor. Yes. yes. With like the so shell. yeah. A, a friend of ours, the same friend that had the comment about babyface said yeah. the end looks like Bono's kicking his own ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. There was a propaganda. It's not an interview. It's a conversation between Tim Vendors and the band, mostly Bono, but Edge, like the band come and go, but it's a transcript of their conversation about this song and such. And it's really, really fascinating. And Ben Vendors is really, really pleased with the imagery of the song and the lyrics and how it ties to the movie, especially the bang and the clatter, which is pretty cool. It's interesting because the whole song is told by the angel mm-hmm. until the last paragraph. Yeah. And in the last paragraph, it's not, it's one of those tricky things where Bono turns it. So someone else saying that. Third person. Yeah, it's three o'clock in the morning, it's quiet and there's no one around, just the bang and the clatter as an angel runs to ground. That's not the same language as the rest of the song is. Now, real quick, that it was a single. It went to number four in the UK, number 61 in the US. It has been played 124 times. I've heard it 13, most recently in Dublin with you. I've heard it eight times. Eight so times. it must have been in 01 that you heard it, it was, a lot. I heard it mostly in 01 and then 11 and then 18. Right. So that would make sense. I love that it's still... There's still, like, Zoo TV imagery in it. Yeah. Like, the... You could stay in to watch the adverts. You could lip sync to the talk shows. It's very Zoo TV. Very. Satellite television. You can go anywhere. I mean, the story is that there's an angel that's watching a burnt-out girl. Yes. And he wants to talk to her. He wants to touch her, but he can't because, you know, he's an angel. But... I think that it's some of Bono's best lyrics, and I think it's some of Bono's best vocals. It's, that range that, he has is is nuts. The way he goes up on the stay yeah. is just so gorgeous. And then, I mean, but the band, I can't even tell if that's a guitar or what that is, but the, the band is amazing. It's just amazing. perfect. Yep. So this is an ode to Frank Sinatra. Yes. Adam says no one's going to confuse us with Frank Sinatra's backing band. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that quote from him. But I guess at one point Bono had the hopes that Frank would sing it, but I think that would ruin it. It would change it. It's That's not a Frank Sinatra song. It is one of Bono's favorites. I've heard him say that many times and recently. Yeah. Edge says that it stands outside any particular item. It's like it's always existed. God, I, I don't just... think it, it doesn't... I don't, it doesn't fit in this album. It doesn't fit in anything. No, um, I agree with that. It is an absolute, the unicorn. It is. So it's it's interesting because there, it does kind of fit on this album because it does. There, it's just there, so two, <laughs> there are two themes that I think run throughout the album. One is Wanderlust, which yes. I talk about later as well. Right. Um, 
You can go anywhere, Miami, New Orleans, London, Belfast, and Berlin, and back home. And then the other common theme is car crashes. <laughs> yes. I have the information on that later. Okay. I don't know if you do, but I do. I actually don't, but I, ha- I talk about the wanderlust later. Yeah, I have car crash stuff later that ties back to this. Okay. I think this is absolute brilliance. I mean, it doesn't get much better than... No. And that image, dressed up like a car crash, your wheels are turning, but you're upside down. Like, who comes up with that shit? A vampire or a victim? It depends on who's around. That And that's my favorite line. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's so true. And I I feel like maybe I have a little bit of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we probably all do. But I just kind of I just kind of identify with that. Which I shouldn't. But that's my favorite line though, vampire. Oh yeah, absolutely. God, I just it's perfection and I am very, very emotionally attached to the song. So you just and you can't sing along to it without smiling. No, you can't. And I talk about that on another song, too. Yeah, You can't. So when I was in, you know this, but our listeners don't. When I was in high school, I started a YouTube fanzine. And I'm sorry that you're hearing my cat race across the floor, but I'm not going to stop. <laughs> Can you hear her? Oh, I hear her. Is that... Is that Lily? It's Nala. She's like at the right night at the races. <laughs> Backstory for our listeners. Jenny has a cat with one eye who is extremely shy. And I never saw her unless Jenny grabbed her and put her in front of the computer. And now she's like ever present. Well, so she not only she's my 13 year old's cat and they are very attached, like soulmate attached. And our older cat likes to try to stalk her and attack her. Recently, man, she's like, fuck oh, this shit. She is a vampire or a victim. Or a victim. <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of trying to cut all of her shenanigans out or keep muting my microphone, we'll just bring her into the conversation. Right. But this has been so great because there's like, uh, Jenny has like glass bricks behind her. Yeah. And <laughs> there's like, There was a ton of stuff that was up on the ledge, the glass ledge. And as we've been recording, Nala has been knocking one thing down at a time, like one by one. But she's just really coming out of her shell, which I love. I love her. (laughs) It's so precious. I'm glad y'all do. I feel like I had something else about this one. Oh, I was telling my, my personal story. So... I had a fanzine that I started in, I don't know if I was a sophomore or probably a junior in high school. And very quickly, the mascot, what I put like on the copyright page, was what what I call the stay angel. It's the zoo baby with wings. And that was my very first tattoo. Have you, you haven't told this story. No, I haven't told this story. Tell, continue the story. So we'll see if it goes in the direction you're thinking. It's my very first tattoo. It's not done well. I wanted it to be just like black outline and the guy convinced me to color it in. And I'm like, it's just part of me now and it's fine, but it's not what I originally wanted. But, and which also reminded me on my birthday episode, you asked me about my tattoos and I said I had three YouTube related tattoos, but I have four. (laughs) Because I 
<laughs> Which is counting my arm. <laughs> <Was it? laughs> I forgot about that one. And then there was one time Hillary and I were together. Learned to Amanda. And I feel like we were sitting at a rail somewhere, but maybe we weren't. And we were talking about favorite songs. And I said, one is my favorite YouTube song. And Hillary said, no, it's not. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yes, it is. What is it? She's like, it's stay. <laughs> okay. So I was going in a different direction with Tell that story. We were in a bar in Cleveland and we didn't have good cell reception, but we were looking for some friends mm-hmm. and we didn't know where they were. So we just sat at this bar, this random bar, drinking for a really long time, hoping we get a phone call to find out where to meet these people. And the bartender finally was like, they're in the, they're in the back of the same bar. I forgot about this. Of the same bar we were in. So we're like, okay, we went in the back. You were allowed to smoke back there back then. Yeah. And we went back there. It was a group of people that had been at the rock hall earlier. And they were the graphic designers for a lot of YouTube. It was 451. Yeah. 451. Steve Averill and... Shamish Rath and Killian Kavanaugh. That was just such a great night. But anyway, so they were talking about the artwork for, I think, Zuropa. And I said, y'all, Jenny has this tattoo. And very hesitantly, Jenny shows the tattoo. And I think it was Sean that was the one that drew it. And he freaked the crap out. Like, I drew that. (laughs) (laughs) It's too bad. It's a shit tattoo. (laughs) But, I mean, he freaked out. That was a huge moment of crying remembering this. Um, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That was a very, very It feels like a big moment. I, I was obviously drinking a lot. It was because we were trying to kill time and we ended up drinking like a shit ton, just waiting for a call from Jim. But the reason why he didn't call, I guess, Amanda was because he didn't have any more signal than she did in the restaurant. 451 had an exhibit at the Rock Hall. 451 was the U2's graphic design team for a long time. And we had done an event they had come in for the exhibit opening and we'd done an event with them and oh shit i forgot about that you were very apprehensive about doing it and i feel like i bullied you made you feel uncomfortable i bullied you into it because i know you were like your face was red like it was maybe that was alcohol i don't know but i know that you were a little hesitant to do it and i'm like do it do it (laughs) so for some reason i remember the the table being like it was a nice restaurant too Mm -hmm. but the table was like covered in like white paper instead of a tablecloth because i for some reason remember doodling doodling on it or something and then i'm like holy shit i'm doodling in front of these graphic artists (laughs) i gotta stop this right now someone give me a cigarette those were super fun guys yeah super fun and then we went and visited them in their office in dublin which was cool Oh my gosh, listeners, we have so many great adventures together. Like, that's why, you know, it's not just our love of YouTube, but all the adventures that they've brought us. And that's just, you can't put a value on that. 
No, you really can't. Well, I know when we got uh, some songs on Octomaybe, where I was like, we should just have a three-minute moment of silence. Right. <laughs> and move on. I feel like we could do that with Stay. I feel like I could talk about it forever, but it's not complicated. There's not a lot to talk about. No, it's not. The thing that keeps us talking is just how great it is. I feel like anyone who says this is not the best song on Zeropa is just trying to be eclectic or something. Right. <laughs> and I have to say, I generally... It's, it's not me being eclectic. I generally don't like the single. The big well, yeah. single off of an album. That's why I feel like it's such a cop-out to say that my second favorite song is With or Without You. But so many times the big singles are the big pop songs. Right. And With or Without You is not a big pop song. And neither no. is Stay. No. Thank you for saying that because I wrestled with... I, I don't wrestle with Stay. I wrestle with With or Without You. Yeah. Because well, I mean, the not... world knows the brilliance of With or Without You. But we know from our research that that was a brave move. Right. to put that on the radio that was not necessarily a radio friendly song no okay should we cheers to stay we should cheers to stay should we say cheers to with the spirit that we have found spirits <laughs> as in drinks <laughs> with the spirits and may the night be enough I listen to the song and I get so lost in it that I have to replay it because I like don't hear it so I have that thing too. There's certain parts where it's like I have to stop breathing for a second, and I know it's really with stay. It's like yeah. I feel like the noise of me breathing and my heart beating everything is just a distraction. It's like impossible to consume it in its entirety. Yeah. It's and like what Edge says, how it's just always existed. Like it literally just feels like part of the greater universe. Right. The cosmic U2 experience. Yeah. Just the name of my Duran Duran cover band. <laughs> so let's do our shot real quick. And then we got to tell our listeners about our cover band game. Okay. Because I think we need to bring it into our episodes more. Okay. Here's to stay. Stay. And all the spirits. <laughs> all the spirits we drown. <laughs> yeah. Dang, that's cool. just such a good shot. You want to explain the cover band game? So it started from Garden Tart Manda. It's originally a Meredith creation. Oh, really? I didn't know I that. I mean, to Amanda. If I don't know if Meredith created it, but that's where it started in our chain. And they have to come to you. You can't really preempt these things. But you hear a line, you hear a quote, you hear some weird words, and... It just kind of jumps out at you, and you find a cover band that would would match that. And we have a whole list going on. We could give some examples that maybe some of our listeners might appreciate. I have lost my telephone. Oh, your telephone. Is it a rotary landline? (laughs) (laughs) Is it not supposed to be called a telephone? I've lost my my mobile device. So last... We talked about Cobra Kai as Karate 90210. One of my absolute favorite things is that as Garden Tart Amanda is listening to her eps, she pulls out cover band names. Yes. So, for instance, Karate 90210 is her Blink 182 cover band. I, I love it. I talked this yesterday about um, that this week we've been near Bono Realm. Yes. And I said that's my Clinot. Yeah. Cover band. The recent Republican shenanigans. 
you said is our Eagles of Death Metal cover band. Yes. I was pretty proud of impeachment and arrests as the presidents of the United States of America. That is so perfect. Um, I had No Fly List, which is my Sugar Ray cover band. Um, Somehow Numerous Potatoes is our Pope's <laughs> cover band. <laughs> I don't even know where a lot of these have come from. We talked about this in an ep that you said that Bono and Ali in Africa is your Toto cover band. It is. Homeless Chic. That's my Pearl Jam cover band. Zero <laughs> percent antibodies is my anthrax cover band. iPhone Purgatory is your songs of innocence only cover band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't add this one, but a revolution is a revolution is my white album only cover band. Okay. I'm looking for some more that are our listeners might be your local midnight is your midnight oil cover band yeah. That's a good one. oh you just got enode is the roxy music cover band okay <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> oh, oh god mid. oh team purple spectacles <laughs> we said was both a grateful dead and a youtube cover band the man said heart-shaped butthole is the name of her whole cover band. <laughs> I think it should be a whole Nirvana mashup cover band, but that's still great. Oh, Undecided Klansman, that's Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. Cats on Keyboards is Stray Cats. That's yours. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck does some of this stuff mean? Circuits Are Not Our Friends is, is my Killers cover band. Microwave Bacon Fire. That came from an app, didn't it? That's Will's Hanukkah story. Oh, yes. That's Amanda's Limp Biscuit cover band. <laughs> well, these are just kitten shenanigans is Amanda's Pussycat Dolls. Yeah. Oh, 23 Skidoo is my Brian Setzer. Nice. <laughs> okay, well, y'all get the point. It's, you can't think of a band name and then try and come up with a cover band. Right. Like, my husband and his friends were like, Pearl Jam. My 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 Pearl Jam cover band is Gem Jelly. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. No. Oh, God, these are so great. This is just the funnest game, you guys. <laughs> we had on Twitter the other day... Joe saying that she had more pop B, more pop Bono gifs coming. And I said more pop B was my M cover band. Yes, I love that. Because M sings pop music. Okay, we did our shot for stay. Cover side A, so maybe we should flip record and come back to side B next time. Yes, we should. We'll see you next time, you guys. Until then, may your... Music be loud and your shots be strong. Too much is not enough. So perfect. I'm a girl and that's a little too high for me. We got it. Okay, see you next week. Bye.